like to do a little word association. You saw that word on the screen pop up by itself, idle. What came to your mind? I realized where I wanted to head, but I also realized on the date of 2018, some of you probably thought of American Idol. <laughs> or maybe some attractive movie star or singer. But in general, I think we tend to think of idols as these usually stone or wood or silver or gold figures. The primitive people would um, bow down before they would worship, make sacrifices to. These figures that they would look to for help when there was some crisis in their life. Maybe to make sense of what they couldn't understand when there was thunder or lightning or tornadoes or whatever. But there wouldn't be any idols today, would there? I mean, we're too educated, too sophisticated for that anymore. Well, that's really not a trick question, but before you jump to your answer, maybe we need to think for a minute of what, what makes an idol? What is it that causes something to be an idol? Is it anything that we look to for help in the challenges of life? Is it where we think is the source of the good things that come to our lives, the blessings that we have, or the help, or joy, or fun? Is it anywhere we look for meaning in life, for our own identity, our worth, our value? Is it where we get direction for our life? Is that what makes an idol? And if that's true, then can anything be an idol? Are there other ways that things can be idols beyond just some statue or some figure? Or is it something that not just ancient people might have, but even us sophisticated, educated, modern people of 2018? You see, an idol is anything I look to for meaning in my life. A, 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 an idol is anything I look to that says I have value. I have value because I have this. I can do this. Anything like that becomes an idol. It's what I look to for my happiness. It's what I look to to say I don't have to worry about the future. And anything I look to for all of that could be an idol. And over against this whole discussion of idols, we of course have to look at what the Bible says, that wait a minute, there's only one God, and idols, of course, were gods. And yet God comes along and says, wait a minute, there's not multiple gods, this isn't a multiple choice question. This is only a true-false question, there is only one God, and, and it's me. Why is that? Uh, obviously, because God says that's reality, but... Jesus says something different. In Matthew 6, 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Not you shouldn't. He says, No one can. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll love the one, you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and, and stuff, all the stuff of life. It's not just money. I know some of the translations say that, but he uses a bigger word. 
It's not that you should not. Please catch what Jesus said. It's not that you should not. Jesus says it can't be done. We're not wired up that way as humans. We have that one place of supreme loyalty where we look to for the compass of our life. The, the power of our life we are going to plug into. We have one place we can look for that. And it's either going to be God or it's going to be some other little G, God, some other item. It won't work that way. You see, that's why the Ten Commandments start with this. The first thing God lays out for Israel, for his people, you shall have no other gods before me. There can be only one God. And God says, I want that place. I think when I was growing up, when I was younger, when I was sort of reading that, I was like, well, well, well you know, is God insecure? I mean, why does he say that? Yeah, thou shalt not eat. You know, what's up, God? It's not that God is insecure. I think there's a couple reasons God says that. In one sense, I'm going to propose one's for him and one's for us. Although ultimately they're both for us. One of the reasons God says that, thou shalt not, is because of how deeply he cares for us. You know, if, if we're friends, I don't care if you have a lot of friends. As long as I can be one of your friends too, that's great. You've seen this front row of guys, they show up once a year, they do a camp out. They are from Apple Valley, but they always camp out up here and they come to church here. Because they're my friends. I used to be their pastor a long time ago. And they're my friends. I've hunted with them, I've fished with them. And I like to see them in the front row. If they have other friends, it doesn't bother them. We can share. Back in Rock Solid is my wife. I don't want to share with her. Sorry. <laughs> she can't be your wife. Because it's a different kind of love, isn't it? I love her deep. And she loves me deep. And that kind of love that is so deep, so intense, we don't share that kind of love. And nobody thinks I'm weird for that. I don't think any of you sat there and said, boy, Jim, get a clue. you got to share your wife. In fact, you all were sitting there saying, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. I'm on the same page with you. That's what God says, no other gods. Not because he's insecure, but because he loves us so deeply. He loves his people so deeply. He says, I'm not going to share you. Why would you even think I would share you? I love you so deeply. In fact, as Dave's meditation, I love these because we never coordinate you. As Dave's meditation said, in fact, I love you so deeply, my son will sacrifice himself on the cross and then carry a bowl of his own blood into the Holy of Holies to give it to me so you don't have to pay for your sins. That's how much I love you. You think I want to share you? I love you so deeply, I will die for you. And so if you start looking to other gods, you have other idols in 
Do I care? You bet I care. Just as deeply as we would care if our spouse who we deeply love suddenly loved another. It would break our hearts. And so God says, I don't want to share you. This isn't a character flaw of God. That's why he says in the very next of the Ten Commandments, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Sometimes we see jealousy as inappropriate, but sometimes it should be expected. When we love so deeply in a relationship, we can't share. And that's how God feels about you and me and each of us. He loves us so deeply, he is never going to say it's okay to share that love. I will always be jealous for your love. I want all your love as I give you all of my love. But there's a second reason God says this. And this is for our benefit. You see, I believe God calls us to love Him and Him alone with all our heart, mind, and soul because only He can be God. And if we look to any other idol, any other God, and think it can bring fulfillment to our lives, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to pour our lives into a God that can't do it. Then sooner or later, at some point, and it's usually going to be when the chips are down and our life is in crisis, that God is going to fail us. And God knows that. So he says, because I love you with this incredible love, I want to protect you from making the mistake of going out and devoting your life to these idols. Because they will always, always fail you. There's a, a, a thing God says through Isaiah the prophet that I want us to read. Because I just think it's incredibly great. Isaiah 44. Israel is, is off the rails and they're worshiping idols and not God alone. And, and, and God through Isaiah says, do you realize how stupid this is? How dense are you people? And so this is what he says to me, to us through Isaiah. This wood, this tree in your yard, it is used as fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself with. He kindles a fire and makes his bread. But he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Okay, so... so Isaiah says, so half the wood he burns in the fire, over it he prepares his meal, he roasts his meat, eats his fill, he also warms himself and says, oh, I'm warm, I see the fire. And from the rest of it, he makes a god, his idol, he bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, save me, you're my god. And you can just hear Isaiah saying, how dumb is that? Same tree, same board, half the board is just a board. And somehow, magically, half the board is suddenly going to save me. 
And Isaiah said, what are you thinking? Israel, what are you thinking? And you realize that's still true today? And God says, I care enough for you. I don't want to watch you waste your life devoted to something that will never come through for you when you need it. So I don't want you to have any other idols. Because they will draw you away from me and they will never give you what you need in life. Now, I need to ask one more question. Are idols only bad things? You know, bad things. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, pornography, those addictive kinds of destructive things. Are that the only kind of idols that we could have today? Or are some good things? Could a good thing become an idol? Well, if you think about it, and we go back to sort of our definition of an idol, it could be, couldn't it? If it's where I look for all my happiness, if it's where I look to get my worth, if it's where I look for my purpose for living life every day, if I devote all my time and energy to it, a good thing could become my idol, couldn't it? You see, suddenly we realize that good things like a career and work could be an idol, couldn't it? My beauty and my appearance and how much I had devote to my appearance and fixing my appearance and keeping my appearance, that could be an idol, couldn't it? What we accumulate, our stuff, what we own, and I need a new one of this and I've got one more of this, that could be an idol, couldn't it? Not in this country, but in some other countries, what people think of me could be an idol, huh? How popular I am, what my peers think, what the people at work think. Some hobby could be an idol, couldn't it? Preacher's gone meddling now. Even, now this will stretch you, but even a family or a marriage or kids or grandkids could become an idol, couldn't it? If we look to them for everything in our life. So that leaves us with the question, could there be idols in our lives? Places we look beyond God for our meaning, our security, for our identity? I want to give you three questions to ask, or three things to think about. One is love. Where do we look for our love? Our heart's affection. What has that first place in our life? But above all else, that's where we're devoted. Where's our trust? What do we give everything we have to? What are we counting on when the chips are down, when everything else fails us? What are we looking for, for our trust? What is our security tied to? Where does our hope come from? Who will we obey? Who's really in control? Who can I not say no to? Who controls me? You see, the danger is 
even good things can become idols for us. In fact, I thought this was so insightful. I read this week, the greater the good, the greater the good, the more likely we are to think it can satisfy our deepest needs and hopes. Something is really good, and it is really good, but the very fact that it's so good, it can draw us into thinking it's everything. It's not just a great good, it's everything. And that brings us to this sermon series, Counterfeit Gods. We're going to look in the next few weeks at some idols from today. Things people look to for their lives, their joy, their direction, their worth, their purpose, their happiness. And if those things get too big, they replace God, and that's what we're about. And some of them, many of them, are good things. It's not going to be the obvious things we're going to look at of pornography or of drugs or that. They're good things, but good things that can grow and swell and be this cancer and develop this control over our lives, and we're looking to them for everything. And they will fail us sooner or later because they're not God. And as we look at each of these things, we're going to see how what we're looking for from that idol it can only come from God. And it can come from God. He will meet those needs that we're looking to that idol for. The idol won't. The idol is that piece of wood. And I warn myself from half of it, and the other half I says, oh, it'll save me. It won't. But God will. God can. He is God. And what we need from our God, he's got it covered. But we need to make sure we're looking at him, not any idols. My hope is this builds on the last couple weeks where we realize our soul matters and our spiritual health matters. And one of the things we need to understand to be spiritually healthy is that we don't get our, allow ourselves to be distracted to other gods. And so we're going to look at some of them. The gods of power, of success, of wealth, of popularity. Can they really be our God? Or are they only an idol? In that process, I hope we come to see that only God can be our God. And if we'll look to him, he's got everything we need. Everything we need. We don't need to look. He is the real God. And that's why he says, worship me and me alone. I'm God. I'm God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will help us in the coming weeks. Help us to be honest. If we have idols in our lives, help us to see those idols and help us to honestly realize They'll never be able to give us what we're looking for. Only you can do that. But I praise you that you are this perfect God who provides, who protects, 
who loves enough that you died for us through Jesus. Help us look to you. You alone are Lord. You alone are God. We praise you in your son's name.